Counter the latest internet sensation. I don't even think I have to react to that. Can you go, mate? We are... Seb Costello looks a bit like the Monopoly man. I saw Seb and he ain't in an upright position, I can tell you that. What, what does he do? Can I say hi? Good morning, Seb, and good morning to all your listeners. Hi! Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello on Triple M. It is five past seven. Happy weekend, everybody. 18 degrees in Melbourne on the way to a top of 23. We're here for the Builders Academy. The reason I am playing that is because in a few hours' time, the Yarra River will be filled with inflatable boats. 500 and all. Courtney Carthy is the man behind the inflatable regatta on the Yarra that's happening this morning. Courtney, where do you get an idea like this? Oh, mate, I reckon it's being under 18. Uh, <laughs> that gives you that idea. And then um, and then you get to 31, you're like, geez, I can actually do it. So tell me, what do the boats actually look like? They're red. Um, they're probably about 180 centimetres long for the one person and a bit over 200 for the two person. Uh, they've got they've got a nice yellow paddle on the end of the you know the, the black pole that is the oar, and um, mate, they really don't go fast. <laughs> you, you, you've got no rudder on that one, so um, so I think people will be paddling today. But it's just such a beautiful river we've got here in Melbourne. Very much so. Are you worried about people going in the drink? No, because once you get in the boats, there's this big ring around you of um, of of air, so that that sort of stops you from getting out. Um, I don't think anybody, if you know, if you've been here long enough in Melbourne, uh, you probably know that the Yarra is not the most palatable place to swim. But look, if more people know about it, if more people are coming down, if more people appreciate it, um, hopefully that'll change in the coming years. Well, that's it. We clean it up. But what's your advice if you do go in? I take it a shower afterwards is probably recommended. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> we've got we've got four safety boats with um, some ex Navy and uh, ex Army guys on there uh, that do speedboat races. So. About 130 kilometres faster than we're going today, and uh, they'll they'll pull you out pretty quick. And some John ambulance are on hand as well. They're roving around the place to um, to keep people safe and hydrated and looked after. Yeah, you brought in the army intelligence to run the thing today. That sounds pretty <laughs> impressive, mate. Oh, look, it, it was a lucky get. Uh, <laughs> down under rescue are pretty great. They 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 do all the speed boats in um, in regional Victoria and I think maybe interstate as well. And they're used to pulling out, you know, speedboats that are crashed and they go diving and everything. They've, they've got a lot of qualifications, um, but they've, they've, got, they've come down for a little event today. What, what colour did you say the boats were? Red. This is sounding very much like the hunt for Red October, even though it's February. Very, uh, very impressive, mate. So where are you going from and to? We're going from the Hawthorne Rowing Club on Bridge Road. And then we're going 1.8 kilometres down the river to Fairview Park. And if anyone wants to come and have a look, the best place is on the west side of the Yarra. I'm looking at it now and it looks amazing. It's fairly still, so nobody will be able to slack off and, um, and float down the river. There'll be a bit of paddling going on, but I heard in the News 23 today, I've been a bit too scared to check the weather lately, so I was just having my fingers crossed. You've got nothing to worry about, mate, with the seals patrolling up and down the Yarra River. They'll look after you of the Navy variety, I say. Courtney Carthy from Inflatable Regatta on the Yarra. Thanks for having a chat. Appreciate it. There you go. Check it out from 10 a.m. this morning. It is nine past seven. Plenty happening. The Pies beat the Cats by eight points overnight in the NAB Challenge. Patrick Dangerfield showing some good form. 28 touches and three goals. Also, FIFA have got a new president. We'll get to that in a moment. Hey, hi, if you got a bit more of that uh, Credence Clearwater revival. Oh, yeah.
Weekend breakfast with Seb Costello for the Builders Academy. We're here until nine, which means at least six trucks will crash into the Montague Street Bridge between now and the end of the program. Overnight, Sepp Blatter's successor was chosen. His name is Gianni Infantino. He's from Switzerland. He spent seven years as the boss of UEFA, so the European equivalent, the soccer administration in that part of the world. And he's talking about a new day for the soccer organisation. And we will restore the image of FIFA and the respect of FIFA. And everyone in the world will applaud us and will applaud all of you for what we'll do in FIFA in the future. We have to be proud of FIFA and everyone has to be proud of FIFA and we have to be proud of what we will do together. Not lacking in confidence, that's uh, the new FIFA boss, Gianni Infantino. He's 45 years old and took it out in the second round, taking 115 of 207 boats to see off Sheikh Salman bin Ibrahim Al-Khalifa, who was the president of the Asian Football Federation, which everybody had expected Australia to vote for. We didn't in the end. We went for the Bahrainian candidate. In the 20th century, the sporting landscape was indeed a wide world. But with the advent of the interweb communication and global overpopulation, the sporting universe is bigger than ever. And champions beyond the traditional games deserve their recognition. Presenting the weekend breakfast's glittering galaxy of sport. And don't the kids love it? Well, they'd love this title. I reckon this bloke has just about the coolest title going round. He's an Olympic archer, if you don't mind. Good morning, Matthew Gray. Yeah, good morning. For those of us who haven't had a chance to watch the archery at the Olympics, how does it all work? Oh, it's um, it's very much evolved over the uh, you know past Olympics. Um, archers are set at seventy metres away from the target, and uh, the object obviously is to get your arrows into the middle of the target, which the size of the target is um, twelve centimetres in diameter for the the middle, which is worth um, which is you know, worth ten. Scoring zone then goes out to one. So, um, you know, 70 metres away, you're aiming at a target that's only 12 centimetres um, in diameter. It's quite difficult. But, um, yeah, and high score wins. Are you allowed any sort of binoculars or lenses to see the target a bit clearer from that sort of distance? You can after, you, like, a spotting scope. So once you've shot your arrow, you're allowed to use a, a telescope or a spotting scope to, to see where your arrows land. And then, obviously, you can make adjustments given the wind or or our light conditions. Um, but, yeah, certainly you're allowed to use that, but not on your, your actual bow. Mate, you're a three-time Olympian, so you are really at the elite of archery in this country. Away from the target, what do you actually do to train? I mean, is it weights, or how are you preparing yourself for Olympic archery competition? Yeah, at this sort of stage um, in the process, you know, weight training is, is taking a little bit of a backward step. Um, in the off-season, you do a lot of weight training, a lot of cardio, running, cycling, swimming. Um, but... Sort of now, leading up to the Olympics selection, I'm probably only doing one or two sessions of weight training. It's very lightweight, um, but just more for endurance-wise because when you're pulling the bow back, it's usually at a bit of a poundage of 45 to 50 pounds that you're holding on your fingers. And uh, you've got to do that throughout the whole day. So it's really an endurance side of thing for the fitness. Did you watch a lot of Robin Hood as a kid? No, I didn't, and I always get that question. But, um, <laughs> I thought you might. Yeah, I, um, I'm not sure how I got involved. It was just through my family, and you know, it was a, a sport where it's an addictive um, nature where you just always want to improve. It's probably you know the feeling that a golfer gets that you know they 
get the new equipment and they start performing a little better. And that just gives you that, you know, addictive sort of um, feeling. Fantastic, mate. Well, we wish you well in the future. How's Australia going to go in the Archer Ian Rio? Oh, I think we'll, you know, we've certainly a medal chance. You know, we've got um, four really talented guys vying for three positions and anyone who makes the team is certainly a medal prospect. So, um, you know, I think everyone needs to, yeah, watch your spapes and support Australia when it comes to the uh, Australian Olympic team. Fingers crossed. Get behind. Does the archery team have a nickname, by the way? No, we spoke about that a few years ago. Try to give us a bit of a nickname, but yeah, yeah if anyone wants to suggest one, I'm sure um, we'll take it on board. One triple three five three. What should we call the Australian National Archery Team? You can hit me up on Twitter too at Seb Costello nine. Matt Gray, three-time Olympic archer. Thanks for joining us on Triple M. No worries. Thanks very much. What do you reckon? I mean, the hoods is the obvious one. The Australian hoods, I quite like that. The arrowheads, I don't know. Could use some ideas. One triple three five three. The Australian Olympic archery team doesn't have a nickname. Have you got an idea, Trevor? Yeah, I, I just talked to someone. Um, that I, I reckon the best name for them, nice and strong, is uh, Archer Ruse. Mate, good work. You've scored VIP tickets for you and three mates to join Campbell Brown at the Triple M Lounge at Flemington on Super Saturday. Thank you for your call, Trev. What do you reckon, Rob? You there, Rob? No, we'll go to Damo. Damo's at Geelong. You got an idea? Yeah, mate. Uh, how about the Nullers, as in Nulla Nulla, Aboriginal weapon? Was, is that like a bow and arrow? Well, it's, uh, the Nulla Nulla is the one that they help uh, throw the spear. Ah, uh, I guess it's like a slingshot. Like a slingshot, yeah. I don't mind it. Thank you, uh, Damo. You've scored VIP tickets too. You and three mates can join Campbell Brown at Super Saturday. Off Twitter, Jed's gone with the Woomeras. Not kind of sure where he's going there. Andrew has the Kangaboos. Don't mind that. Alex Hammer. I reckon this is good. The Alex Poke, the Australia Pokers. He's gone with Alex. Hey, Veronica, you got one more to finish us off? Yes, I do. Yeah, fire away. I thought it was pretty straightforward, actually. The Archies. I like it, Veronica. I like <laughs> it. It's appropriate. Appreciate your call. Thanks for giving us a ring on 13353. What about the Princes of Thieves? Sort of playing off Kevin Costner. No, I'm getting nothing from Hyphen over there. And fitness with Danny Green. The living legend himself. Morning, Greeny. Good morning, Seb. How are you going, bud? I'm exceptional, mate, but we're about to talk uh, some difficult things, and that is I want to ask you what is the toughest workout that you've ever done? Uh, my one springs to mind, apart from when you've got a punch on, nothing, nothing's tougher than when you go do 12 three minute rounds with two or three fresh opponents and give a basically punch on for 36 minutes. Mm. Nothing's harder than that, but that's kind of one that I guess not many people could relate to. But my other one is, before a big fight I had a long time ago, I was at the Parramatta Eels training with them with my strength and conditioning team. Now, uh, when we, you say a big fight a long time ago, are we talking the biggest Australian fight of all time? Yes, mate, yeah. yeah. It was a long time ago, yeah, against, against the banana jock. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, and so um, yeah, I was probably you know, three weeks out, and I was I was it was, it was an extremely tough session, and uh, I remember it, we had a thing called a grinder, and a grinder is something you do you, you roll your arms over. It's like a bike, but you're standing up and you hit with your arms. 
and we'd set um, uh, intervals up and we'd set up little um, stations where after three minutes um, I would absolutely work my guts out for 12 rounds with a minute rest in between to simulate, you know, a 12 minute, a 12 round fight. But it was just incredibly tough. So I'd go 30 seconds on a treadmill that was at 20 k's an hour. That I'd hop off, I'd jump straight off that 30 seconds and go on the next treadmill that was right next to it. That was an incline of 15 at about 10 k's an hour. Then jump straight off that and have one of the front rowers that are resting me for a minute. Then I'd jump straight off that and go into the, those um, ladders that are on the ground. And then I'd jump 30 seconds out. Then I'd jump on that and I'd go for 30 seconds to finish off with, uh, with a sledgehammer on a big uh, forward drive type. And then we just alternate that for 12 rounds, 30 seconds intervals um, in, in between the three rounds. That was extremely tough. And other stations thrown in there as well. That was just an example of what we did. And uh, I remember just after after it finished, I remember just about vomiting and going, my goodness. <laughs> But it was one that actually stuck out as the toughest physical training session in my life. That, I'm exhausted just hearing you talk about that. One triple three five three. Greeny's here to have a chat to you. If you've got any fitness questions, he's the man. But also, what's the toughest workout you've ever done? What did you find the most difficult? Want to get that discussion going? Twitter at Seb Costello nine. I didn't realise the NRL boys were so fit. Yeah, look, it's different. It's it's a different style of fitness. I mean, they don't do anywhere as near as much running as the AFL guys do, and especially now. Like, you know, that was ten years ago. The AFL guys, um, they're supremely fit because they just the game's changed, as you know, Seb. Mm. It's a running game now, so it's incredible. Whereas the NRL, they're still built around power and explosivity and running short bursts, so they don't need as much endurance in that running way um, as the AFL players do. But yeah, they're very fit boys. Yeah, they're certainly. Uh... Large. <laughs> one triple three five three. Give us a call. TeamDannyGreen.com.au is the website to check out all things Greeny. We might take a break and come back, mate. Sounds great, Seb. Four-time world champion Danny Green with health and fitness. TeamDannyGreen.com.au. If you haven't signed up yet, do so. It's got everything you need. Mate, Robbie off the Twitter wants to know, after you do a workout like that, like you did with the Parramatta Eels before the fight against Anthony Mundine, how much rest do you give yourself afterwards? Yeah, good question, Robbie. Uh, look, it's 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 imperative that you have plenty of rest. Recovery and rest uh, and recuperating is um, the key to getting fit and maintaining fitness. So, look, it, I need to have the whole next day off. Right. Look, just to clarify, that session when I, when I, with the paramedics, on my strength and conditioning team, that's where the guys, they were, they were based at paramedics, so that's where I trained for about three or four years. And that wasn't a session that the Eels did. That was a session specifically set up for me to do, um, you know, boxing-orientated kind of fitness. So it wasn't a session that the footballers or the, or the rugby guys did. And the Team Danny Green program is nothing like that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, was, that was as intense as I Good to point out. Think, I didn't want people to think, oh, holy, holy heck, I couldn't have... <laughs> The TDG Fit program is all about keeping it simple and keeping it realistic and achievable for everyday blokes and, yeah. and ladies as well. Mate, when we spoke yesterday, you were on your way to the gym. Have we got a little goal in mind as to why you might be training like that? <laughs> uh, look, Seb, I, um, I, uh, you know, if, if I do fight again, I want to maintain, um, a, you know, a very, very good level of fitness. So, if I do need to go into camp at some stage, if something pops up, if uh, if if the if the banana if the if the rabbit pokes his head out of the warren and uh, and and you know, I guess. Uh, you know, fixes his, his hand that does the signatures on contracts, then um, you know, I want to make sure that, that I'm in, in shape, mate. So, yeah, I went down to the gym and did it and, and, and punched a few rounds out and, um, you know, just get the eye in, mate. And uh, how were they going? Were, the, were you just letting those hands go? Oh, clicking a few out, yeah. I didn't feel too bad, actually. I mean, the older I get, the harder it is. But, um, you know, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in decent nick and, uh, and the back's starting to feel a little bit better, so I'm 
just trying to build a bit of a base, mate. Well, we like how you base yourself in Melbourne when the fights come around too. The High Sense Arena was absolutely full for your last one, so hopefully it happens again. Mate, always a pleasure to have you on in the regular health and fitness spot, teamdannygreen.com.au. I'm guessing all the information to sign up to the program's on there? Yeah, mate, just go to tdgfit.com.au and you check and you see what's, what's there. And, and once again, we had really good uh, take-up last weekend with the mates rates, two-for-one offer. So we're going to extend that for this last weekend in February. So if you want to go on, get your mates to do it. It always does help to get someone to do it with you if you're kind of having a bit of a struggle, you know, kind of jumping over the, the ledge to go, right, I'm going to do this. Get one of your mates to do it with you. You do it together. Makes it much easier. And um, so we've extended the two-for-one mates rates off this weekend. Beautiful, mate. Have a good weekend. Thanks very much. Have you two champion all the crowd there in Melbourne. The AFL season's heating up, so uh, I bet the whole town's starting to froth and buzz. Oh, yeah. I look forward to getting over there soon. Absolutely. We'll see you soon. Danny Green there, the four-time world champion. The state government has confirmed that the grand final public holiday will return in 2016. To talk more about it, the Minister for Small Business, Innovation and Trade, Philip Daladakis. Good morning. Hey, Seb. How are you? Good, mate. How long can you confirm that this holiday will be on the Victorian calendar? Well, for as long as uh, we're, we're in power and until the Libs uh, come out and tell the Victorian public whether they're going to rip the public holiday away from them if they get elected at the next election. Now, a lot of small businesses were upset about this. You'd be aware of the debate around it. Is there any thoughts to compensating businesses who are out of pocket for the public holiday? No, look, mate, uh, we went to the election very clearly with uh, the creation of this public holiday uh, as part of our platform. Uh, obviously, we were elected, and I think people, to be honest with you, are, are sick and tired of politicians saying one thing before an election and doing another thing after. And, and this was a, a wonderful event. Uh, it was an opportunity for us to celebrate what is a uniquely Australian uh, pastime, being footy. And the only problem that I can see with the public holiday, Seb, is that... Uh, it may still be some time before St Kilda's actually in the grand final parade. <laughs> yeah, that's putting it diplomatically, but as an Essendon supporter, I'll still uh, write uh, clear of that because I don't think the Bombers will do much better. Well, we've got 13 public holidays. What's the next one? Well, um, I mean, look, uh, you know, if, if if I was to be bold, uh, Seb, how about we introduce a public holiday so that everybody that uh, celebrates their birthday can have a day off? I mean, yeah. the fact of the matter is uh, we're not looking to introduce any more public holidays, mate. Um, that was our election commitment. We've uh, delivered on that, uh, and that's what it's going to stay. And, and just, um, you know, I've seen the, the business groups upset with it. I get that. Um, I understand it. But the fact of the matter is that Australians are some of the hardest working people globally. And uh, I think taking a day out to spend some time with our friends and family, uh, our loved ones, is not such a bad thing to be able to uh, just actually reflect on the fact that we should actually uh, work to live, not live to work. There you go. Philip Daladakis, the Minister for Small Business, Innovation and Trade, Grand Final Public Holiday, coming back. Thank you for joining us on Triple M. Good on you, Seb. There you go. What do you think? Small businesses, you're welcome to give us a call, one triple three five three. but it's here until at least the next election, which will be 2018, if I'm not mistaken. Grand Final Public Holiday, here to stay until at least 2018. Ken from Port Melbourne, what do you think of the holiday? I just find it so frustrating, Seb, that the Minister for Small Business doesn't acknowledge the cost to business. This doesn't cost the government anything. It just costs us the opportunity to put our staff on and work an extra day. What's your business, Kenny? I, lo I run a little dog walking business. Magnificent. And it's, it's the best fun. And I've had both my staff say to me, well, you know, we'd rather, rather work, but, you know, I can't afford to pay them the overtime on the day. And that's the thing. We're, we're losing opportunities for staff to have work. 
And as I said, it's the government doesn't have any cost associated with it, but we do. Yeah, no lose for them. Thanks for your call, Ken. Thanks a lot, Ted. The world of cosplay is a fascinating one. These are the people that put enormous effort into dressing up as their favourite superheroes, comic book characters, Star Wars characters. And joining us is a big name in the cosplay world. Bambi Lamore is a 50s pin-up. Morning, Bambi. Morning, Seb. How are you? Exceptional. Why do people do cosplay? Uh, I think it's a passion. It's a definitely a passion project. We don't do it for um, money or acclaim generally. It's very hard to get famous in it, but <laughs> we all love what we do. It's, uh, it takes up your life. You start planning usually a few months out. You start getting lots of pictures, lots of research, lots of testing, um, but it's a beautiful community. I think we all get along and we all you know, love getting pictures with each other and just commending each other on our work. I so. love the positivity in your voice. What's some of the coolest <laughs> costumes you've seen? Oh, gosh, I've seen – I know there's a gentleman in Melbourne who's made an Iron Man suit. Yes. Um, he's an engineering student and made that from scratch with, you know, masks that flips up and <laughs> light up parts. And I just think, wow, I, that is amazing. Like, that would be my dream. I'm not quite that talented, unfortunately. Oh, <laughs> don't sell yourself short. Your thing is the 50s pin-up. How does that yeah. become a passion for you? Yeah, well, look, um, I've always loved vintage things and um, decided a few years ago to make a make a go of that and really dress how I like every day. So I wear, I'm a teacher um, by trade. I wear my victory rolls and my 50 skirts to school. And then on the weekends, if I'm going to expos, I generally find um, classic comic book characters. So I've done like Silk Spectre and Poison Ivy and those kind of 50s takes on um, characters. So I kind of bring my worlds together. I call it geekability. <laughs> so you're, you're like a real life com- comic book fusion. <laughs> it is. It's a little niche. It's kind of half you know geek girl, half pinup girl, bit of your know, cu- custom car culture in there as well, just in the mix. And yeah, yeah pretty exciting <laughs> stuff. Is it expensive? It is. Um, look, cosplay absolutely. It, you can choose how well or how much you want to spend. For anyone who wants to try out, I don't want that to put them off because you can definitely start small and, and you know, work your way up. But definitely I know some people can spend thousands of dollars on their costumes. So, yeah, that's why you want to be very respectful. Like we love getting pictures with the public when we're out, but always be respectful and, you know, don't touch people's costumes because you never know what, <laughs> what people, might be. <laughs> what, what, what do people say to you when you're walking, rocking out in the 50s pin-up girl gear down the streets of Melbourne? Do you get people calling out? Um, I get a lot of positive feedback. I get a lot of mums who like to introduce me to their daughters and I guess show them <laughs> that there's another way to dress. Yeah. Um, I get a lot of this, to be honest, it's all positive. Lots of people just saying that they love that someone's committed to something. So, And there's a, the pin-up community is a beautiful community as well. We all support each other and we tend to go out in groups sometimes. You might see a whole you know, gaggle of us in our victory rolls and our you know, crinolines out. In- is that the collective noun, is it? A, a gaggle of 50s <laughs> pin-ups? Uh, I'm not sure if it's a technical term, but I think they speak for <laughs> Hey, you're the guru. You can make up the technical <laughs> term if you say it is. And there's something going on at the Collingwood Town Hall this weekend? There absolutely is. Um, there's Comic Expo on this weekend. It's a fantastic, it's going to be a great um, family event. It's kind of going for the 80s values, so old school. Um, there's collectibles, there's comic books, there's uh, going to be a DJ spinning tunes. It's only $5 entry, so it's an amazing time to... Yeah, this is the era of the superhero with all the movies coming out. If you want to get on that bandwagon, this is a great weekend to start. Absolutely. And you've got a fundraiser for the children's on the 25th of March as well at the old Key Law Hotel. So check that uh, out. I'm sure that's uh, online, is it? Yes, it is. Yes, part of um, the Guzzlers uh, Custom Car Show. We're raising money for the Good Friday Appeal. So it's Miss Cars for Kids. And there's a group of girls out there fundraising 
um, to do that. So it's a great cause and it's another you know, pin-up power. We love to get out there and support <laughs> anything we can. So Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining us on Triple M. No worries. Thanks, Steph. Have a great day. Before you go, where'd the name come from? Oh, it's actually um, half of it given to me by my sister-in-law because I tend to sometimes look like a deer in headlights. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Bambi, Lamore, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Have a great day. The wonderful world of cosplay. We'd love your photos if you're into it. At Seb Costello 9 is the Twitter. Tweet us some photos of the best costumes you've seen. You always see the Star Wars people as part of the Australia Day uh, uh, parade they have down the middle of Swanson Street. I hope they're updating their outfits for the new film. Bet Slam Dunk is the headline in the Herald Sun. It relates to a match-fixing allegation in basketball, and this is a story I've been following for a little while. A lot of the details are difficult to report upon. I've got an email here from Victoria Police, an inquiry I made on the 16th of February. It says, Victoria Police was notified on Friday the 12th of an allegation of inappropriate betting during a basketball game. Detectives from the Victoria Police Sporting Integrity Intelligent Unit have investigated the allegation and at this stage they do not believe there is any evidence of offences being investigated in Victoria. The Herald Sun takes that a little bit further today. They confirm that the Queensland Police Service is also aware of the allegations in to match fixing. I had a chat to people at Basketball Australia earlier this month who said as far as they were aware this allegation relates to just one team and there's a lot of rumour swirling around that I would love to be able to tell you but at this stage it's just too early. Suffice to say this, this story is only going to get bigger. Watch this space. Last night, the Magpies took care of Geelong by eight points down there at the Cattery. Uh, and the man who was the focus for many was Patrick Dangerfield, the only bloke who slicks his hair back better than I do. And he got a fair amount of the footy last night. 29, 28 touches and three goals. We're in our first hit out of the year and the Cats and the Magpies. Little tap oh, down the lock and Dangerfield gets the first clearance for the Cats. 40 out, first goal for the Cats, is it? And he's put it through. Side forward, 50 off hands to Cocker too. He's got players everywhere. Over the top by Hannah Hawkins. Hand pass Dangerfield. Open goal for the Cats. He's got a couple. Two goals in the second term for his third of the night on the three-quarter time siren. 50 metre drop pun is perfect. Very, very ominous. Plenty saying that the Cats will be rocketed back into a top four prospect for 2016 off the back of some of those boys they've got in, Dangerfield, Henderson, those sort of blokes. Going to talk to BT about footy in a moment. You can't make this up. I have a text from the great man. He's going to join us after he unloads a bale of hay from his tractor up there at the farm in central Victoria. So priorities, Brian. He'll get that done. Uh, also, if you're catching up with it, Gianni Infantino of Switzerland has been elected the new FIFA boss. He's a Swiss Italian citizenship as well. And one of his election promises is to look at increasing the World Cup from 32 nations to 40. Good news for us. Looks like we'll get in every year. What this show needs is a man who's been voted the best radio commentator in football. Ready. About a right banana. The biggest high five you've ever seen in your life. Come on, mate. Follow me. Follow me to the bench. This is Brian Taylor. Looks like I'm the only one to win a Coleman and be in a film. And this is Bristles Missile. Take your flags. Let's stick them you know where. <laughs> Very much excited about the return to the airwaves for 2016. Good morning, Brian Taylor. Good morning, Seb Costello. Mate, the Oscar nominations came out. You didn't get it for Last Cab to Darwin. Were you just a little bit dirty about that? Oh, I was, because I thought <laughs> I really acted well. And I think that's what you're supposed to do. Last Cab to Darwin, of course, uh, did very well as an Australian film, because normally Australian films are 
well, they're not very good set. They're putrid. With the exception of Mad Max, we've had a lot of shocking films made yep. in this country. We have indeed, and uh, this wasn't one of them, thank goodness. <laughs> well, <laughs> at least the scene's involving your good self. That's right, exactly. <laughs> but how good are the Cats going to be this year? They lost last night, NAB Cup, who cares? Collingwood win by eight points. But with the likes of Paddy Dangerfield, another Selwood and Lockie Henderson, is this a grand final proposition again? We did a little thing on Channel 7 uh, last year about this with Cameron Ling and went through the team and who they'd lose because of the age and a lot of ageing players down there. And we took them out and they looked pretty ordinary. And then right at the end of that thing, we said, OK, we've just won. This is before they actually got there, Henderson and Dangerfield. What difference does it make? And most of the experts around that table picking that uh, the next Geelong Premiership side agreed that it advances them right into the forefront of the picture this year. Mm. I think they can finish top four. I think they're a good side. I mean, they played well last night. That was a ripping game of football. Two sides that played really well, and both of them missing a lot of players. I, I, I definitely think they can make the top four. No, no doubt about that whatsoever. Teddy Dangerfield last night, he, was, uh, you know, he just showed some great attributes that he has, that we all know he has. Uh, to me, Collingwood's problem... Um, you know, admitting that Geelong are going to be good and perhaps make the uh, top four, I just reckon Collingwood's depth, you know, once they get a few injuries and once they have to play players number 27, 28, 29, 30 and even 31, how good are they then? I think their top group of players is good enough, but uh, you need at least 30 players to be able to play. And Collingwood too were pretty active in the trade period, picking up Trelaw, James Aish. Do you reckon they're a finals prospect? Yeah, but they're young, Seb. Yeah. They're very different from Dangerfield and Henderson, who already have um, a career, uh, you know, we already know what they're capable of. Uh, Trelaw and Aish, we don't. And uh, they're young kids, and I'm sure they're going to be good players, but right at this moment, they're not stars like Dangerfield is. Would you be predicting the pies for finals? Um, I reckon they'll be right on the cusp. Yep. I think Collingwood themselves would think that if we made the first week of the finals and even won one, we have done exceptionally well. I think they've got a good enough team to finish, you know, 6th, 7th, 8th, somewhere around about there. But beyond that, I can't see them, uh, I can't see them reaching a prelim final, for instance. Now, Bristol, Ty Vickery. Yeah. Have you ever seen a man contest a marking contest when the ball is 80 metres away on the wing? No, he must have been confused. He must have been a little bit confused, Ty. But I tell you, you know, like, that was a weird thing to watch. And uh, I must say, Big Ty is capable of uh, misjudging marks similar to that uh, by about 100 metres. <laughs> but what I'm more pissed off about, Seb, that yes. game was played at Mandra, which was my former domain. That's yep. where I was born and bred in Mandra. I was the king of Mandra. You'd be one of the best players to ever come out of Mandra. Well, yeah, I am. And, uh, and sitting there watching that broadcast on the outer side of the ground, the uh, what the Aiden Ballantyne wing, simply because his old granny pumped in a few million. I tell you what, you know what that sign was covering? That was covering my old house, Seb, at Rushton Park in Mandra, and I was absolutely uh, pissed off that, you know, my name wasn't on there. I deserve to be on there. I'm the first player that's played football out of Mandra and made the big time. Instead, this little weasel Hayden Ballantyne gets his name up on the board because his grandmother won tats and he pumped in a few million. I was really, really annoyed that, number one, my house was blocked out and my name wasn't on the sign. Yeah, that's a true story, isn't it? Yes. Hayden Ballantyne's grandmother was yes. a tats lotto winner and made a bet with him that if he got drafted, she'd kick him a bit of the dough. 
Yeah, should kick in a bit of the dough and, and put a sign up there. Well, Christ, anyone can pay to have a sign put up. You've got to earn it. Is it just that people didn't like you in Mandurah BT? Well, I do remember a particular time where I got chased by this group of youths after I'd, after I'd stoned their house. Uh, I got chased across the oval, locked myself in the umpire's room, and all it had was a wire cage. There was no glass. While I was locked in there and they couldn't get in, they could uh, spit at me through the wire, the wire mesh. And because the room was only about two metres deep, I had a lot of trouble avoiding the spit. <laughs> Mate, do you really want any of your name left in this city if that's what goes on in Mandurah? Oh, I don't know what went on over there, but I'm rather annoyed about it. <laughs> Bristol, we look forward to having you as part of the Weekend Breakfast for 2016. You are in smashing form. Bring on this season. Go on, you, Seb. Down at Torquay today, a grandma is going to bring up a milestone. Sandra Northy, good morning, and what are you up to? Well, I'll be doing my 1,000 skydive today and uh, doing it in a very unique way. Uh, a novelty jump, which is uh, a uh, bikini wingsuit rodeo. Hang on, hang on. You're going to be wearing a bikini and jumping out of a plane. Yeah, I know it sounds crazy, but I wasn't going to take the extra step and do a nudie jump like some people do <laughs> on these sort of milestones. So I thought I'll do a bikini jump, and I love wingsuiting as well. So uh, I'll be riding um, a friend of mine, um, so to speak. He'll be a pony. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And uh, I'll be wearing wing, a uh, bikini while he's flying his wingsuit. Unbelievable. Do you remember yeah. your first jump? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I had a tandem five years ago and absolutely loved it. I didn't find it scary at all. I, I like sort of, you know, adventurous type uh, activities and sports. I thought this is really awesome. And I found it was a, uh, an inexpensive sport to, to participate in once you got set up with your gear. So it's not really more, not really more expensive than say skiing or something. So um, that's fantastic. That and you got yeah. a four-year-old grandson. What does he think of grandma jumping out of planes? Oh, he, he's told me he wants to do skydiving one day. So <laughs> I'll certainly encourage him. That's for sure. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> well, we wish you well. When do you go up? Uh, as soon as this uh, little bit of cloud clears. So hopefully that'll go away in the next hour or two, and we'll be able to get a load up. You got the bikini Fingers on. Crossed. Uh, we'll, we'll wait till uh, just before boarding, I think. <laughs> Sandra Northy, good luck today. Your 1,000th skydive in a bikini. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> all the best. I don't think she's done them all in a bikini, though, I should point out. Good morning, Nerily Meadows. I just want to alert our listeners uh, to the fact that you were just doing the worst air drumming ever with your 1980s prickle-cut style haircut, which isn't even a prickle-cut today. It's more like a brown cloud above your head. It's well, that fluffy. I'm not sure what you were thinking. I'm here to tell you the truth. And right now, your eyebrows, your hair <laughs> need some work. Was there a lack of size morning, in, in the department store <laughs> where you got that shirt? Because it's built for a fat man and you're wearing it like a dress. Maybe I should give it to you then. Oh, oh now, speaking of the worst things ever, you have been whinging all week about the worst sports injury I've ever seen. What You got a bruise from a soccer ball that hit your leg. Isn't it amazing? Does though? It you're actually softer? impressed. This is eight days on and it's still black and it's almost a foot long on my leg. It's the, the absolute width of a soccer ball. I got pummeled that much it's on pretty, my thigh. It's pretty soft, really. I mean, to, 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 you, <laughs> Like just, your hair. To bruise like a peach like that and still there eight days on. Look, I I just I put my body on the line for the team. It's <laughs> what on. you do in did sport. You, did you it win the, the soccer charity. match? 
No, we lost. We went over this last week, yeah. but it was for charity. Got we smashed. lost 3-2, but we would have lost 4-2 if I hadn't have stood in front of that damn ball <laughs> and blocked it with my body. Two blocks in a row, but that one absolutely hammered me. I've got a fair bit of street cred from uh, from footy players, actually, as they've come into Fox Footy for their head headshots and, uh, and promos throughout the week. So that's, that's what, at least been the positive. Well, that's what they're saying to your face, which at least they care enough to lie like that. It's and, nice. And... and <laughs> <laughs> Unlike you. And That's right. I give it to you straight. <laughs> you say awful untrue things about my hairstyle, though. Nobody agrees with you that it's a good look. Uh, it is a very good I look. I didn't think you could get any worse looking, but well, like this, no. <laughs> that's, that's unfair. That's unfair. <laughs> now, I was just watching a little bit of the basketball on the Today Show and a pretty impressive dunk from uh, the Perth Wildcats there. It was absolutely amazing. I was up off my couch. It was fantastic last night in the NBA. It was do or die semifinals. The Wildcats playing for a spot in the grand final up against the Breakers and Casey Prather, who just glides through the air. He's amazing to watch. And I know people can knock the NBL sometimes, but he is seriously amazing. And he just did this one-handed massive dunk over the top of Ogilvy from the Illawarra Hawks. It didn't just bring the crowd to their feet. It brought Nick Natanui to his feet. And we've seen what he can do on a basketball court a couple of years ago with the dunk that he did at halftime at the uh, Wildcats game. Loves his basketball. And this was ridiculous. So the Wildcats are through to the finals. They'll play the New Zealand Breakers having dispatched the Illawarra Hawks. What I loved about it, though, was it was NBA-esque in the way that the defender's gone up to contest the dunk. He's made the contact, knocked him out of the way and delivered the bucket. Totally. Are you often in in the dunks that we see in the NBL, it's fast breaks. It's you know, yeah. it's nothing to Little, lose. Like, drop in kind of stuff. Well, we see some great stuff, but it's often without the defender standing right. there. Whereas this was just hand on him, going get out of my way. It's buddy. sort of the dunking equivalent of the way you play sport. You know, sort of half-hearted, soft, fragile, difficult to watch. The defense was like your hair, yeah, soft, hard, like just Handsome, difficult to watch. High rating, you know, popular. On trend, on fleek, all that. Is that sort of the words you're looking for? I'm just staying silent while you dig a bigger hole <laughs> for yourself right it's now. It's a very comfy, it's a jacuzzi. No, but the happy days is the fact that I happen to be going over to Perth next weekend, so yes! hopefully I get to watch the... <laughs> yes, you'll be gone <laughs> all weekend. That the, is happy uh, days indeed. Oh, look, the tweets will come in now. Yeah, so is the first final in Perth or... Yeah, so okay. Perth have home ground advantage, essentially. Home court advantage, I should say. Three games, so they have game one and three. So it starts on Wednesday night. Of course, you can see it on Fox Sports. We look forward to that. Uh, and the fallout for your Michael Clark interview just made headlines all over the country. Yeah, well, it rated really well, which I'd like to thank Brendan McCullum for the top and tail of the uh, world record of the fastest. Oh, was that the lead in? It was the lead in. So I was like, thanks very much for doing that for me, Brendan. Yeah. Uh, But wasn't he fantastic? Brendan McCullum, as he, you know, gave up the, uh, the black caps, it was just, his speech was phenomenal. We hear a lot about the spirit of the game, but the way that he spoke off the cuff about the Aussies and about his own team, it's, yeah, he's a genuine superstar of the game and, and of sport in general. And hopefully we do get to see a whole bunch of him playing for the Brisbane Heat and the Big Bash because he's a superstar. He is fantastic. Love how wild your social life is. Just a Friday night on the couch watching the NBL. <laughs> no, no sort of friends to hang out with or... No, look, no? I'm, I'm, I'm as mean to all my friends as I'm to you, so I guess, <laughs> guess that was my punishment. No, I had a quiet night in. It was, uh, it was very enjoyable. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we look forward to uh, hearing more from you from Perth and the NBL finals. What's on for the weekend? Very quiet weekend. Off to brunch now. Oh, yeah. oh la-di-da. I know. It's oh, exciting, sort of, isn't it? Some sort of hipster barista with a tattoo fixing up a little latte and some avocado on toast. Something like that. Yeah, okay. All right. yeah. I know your style <laughs> and your big shirts. I know your style too. Bad. Oh, on that note.
Daryl Ebert, it's always a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, Abby. I think I won time. this week. Don't I win this week, I've... I reckon no, you, you lost. I'm no. going to give it to you. Thank you. I, I need those points. Triple M's Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello, the Builders Academy, offering certificate for design courses across Victoria. Call 1300 Legend now. RTOCO 21583.